Start in T minus ten seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition. Welcome to a special edition of Unconstitutional Awakening. Today, of course, I'm joined by Neptune, Bandit, Ox, and returning guest Paul. And we wanted to go into something really interesting and kind of dive real, real deep into this. So we're going to make it a multi-part series that we're entitling First Lightning, which, of course, if you're familiar, is the name of the original Russian nuclear testing and such. And that's the basis of this episode is we're going to talk about, you know, nuclear stuff and nuclear, you know, and, and the stuff like leading up to nuclear and the stuff that had has caused and the effects here it is, you know, all the years, years later and stuff. So it's going to be a quite large thing. That's why we've decided to make it a multi-part series. So how is everybody doing on this fine morning? Good, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Fantastic. you're doing good. So, you know, I just, you know, and they, the group come to me and they were like, hey guys, let's, let's do, let's dive deep into this subject. Cause this is a really deep subject. And I got to say, Neptune has been, you know, he's been on point with everything and sent us a bunch of good stuff. And um, I'm excited to review this stuff and share it with you guys, because this is something I think humanity as a whole really needs to try and get a wrap around because man, have they done some really messed up stuff. So I don't know how you want to kick it off Neptune. So I'm just going to let it go with you. All right, Jimmy. Um, so last time I was on, I, I talked a little bit about the, you know, the longstanding implications of, uh, of nuclear warfare and kind of how that's built us up to where we stand today. Because I, in, in the sense that I feel it, the, the mutual distrust between the U.S. and Russia, it, it's, it's almost inborn. Uh, you know, the, the very foundations of nuclear weapons or weapons of mass destruction it you know they have their roots in in the second world war and i, I to to start with the soviet union and the u.s despite officially being allies in the second world war it goes without saying that though we were allied from a benefit of uh, mutually assuring each other's uh needs were met it's probably fair to say that we did not trust each other. And as, uh, as part of that, you know, going back to the late thirties, um, when, uh, the, the capability of uranium was first found, uh, the U S was one of the first to Id identify its capabilities. And, and so the, the work had begun on, on the Manhattan project. Uh, that was our first uh, first venture into uh, major non-conventional explosive weapons. Um, you know, and it, while it's it's no secret that there were spies um, both inside the U.S. and inside Russia for each for each side, what I feel like is less known is that there were spies inside. Uh, the Manhattan Project, which is the name of the program which led to the development of the atomic weapons, which were dropped on Japan in 1945. Um, Robert Oppenheimer and uh, uh, Richard Feynman, they 
took a, a a lot of the brunt of of that assault in the suspicion of spies Oppenheimer especially um, even though he was later found to be completely innocent uh, it was found to be true that there were spies inside the Manhattan Project because we as Americans did not share our knowledge of nuclear capabilities uh, with the Soviets. Uh, as a result of that, uh, a, a lot of the the culmination of our efforts in the in the development of uh, the atomic bombs, um, you know, starting with the gadget, uh, the initial Trinity test uh, at Los Alamos uh, in July of forty five. That set a precedent for what would become in the future, uh, because there was a there was a fear that we would possibly ignite the Earth's atmosphere at that time, and yet we did it anyway. And so, like many things in our world, uh, I, I feel like we are willing to pursue. Uh, pursue any means of progress as a means to an end without fully understanding or even caring about the potential implications of, of what that means to society as a whole. Um, starting in 46, after, after the war ended, um, the, the bikini atoll tests had begun, you know, starting with operation crossroads, we had, we had conducted a, a series of tests uh, across all the uh, Asia Pacific islands. And there were far reaching implications that it would become bigger than it was because we had not shared our research and technology with the Soviet Union that they looked upon us with envious eyes. And as a result of that, uh, I, I, I feel like that kind of set the stage for it kind of set the stage for the arms race um thinking about it in terms of how it was almost a proverbial dick measuring contest if you will uh, we entered a sort of sort of a, a phase of we always needed to stay ahead and, and that's true to the name of this series uh we conducted a series of tests in 1946 and 1947 uh, those were the U.S.'s first uh, nuclear weapons tests. And then to that end, um, the Soviets conducted their first a couple years later based on the, the culmination of the research uh, that they had learned from our abuse of the, of the Manhattan Project. Uh, in 1949, uh, first lightning uh, was conducted, and it was done again in the same vein. Uh, with little regard uh, to the to the implications of what that would do to people as a whole, it, it was estimated, I think, in somewhere in the neighborhood of one to one and a half million people were exposed to uh, to, to radiation uh, poisoning on some level uh, during that during that testing, and uh, that's uh, that's substantial because. Uh, they weren't exclusive to that. Uh, the U.S. <laughs> very much guilty of that as well. And and I mean, and then you you know you you can you know, you're you're somewhat taught the implications of like radiation and such like that. I don't think people actually understand or realize how much you know nuclear radiation was being set off during not only all these tests, but they were also doing other tests, especially during the Manhattan Project with radiation and such like like literally feeding it to people inside of oatmeal and stuff like that like it was it, there was there seemed to be all of this nuclear stuff going on at the time and they and you know as you mentioned it wasn't as much as you know what does this do it was more of should we do that you know nobody ever stopped and asked should we do this they just wanted to keep going and and testing different you know variations of this that and the other and i feel i feel not only have they you know they absolutely probably destroyed lives and probably entire little islands out there in the ocean running these tests and stuff. But like, you know, think of, think of the, 
you know, the, the, the health problems and stuff from people involved in these situations, whether it be, you know, the people out on the field while they were testing them or the people that they were literally testing the stuff on that just lost their life for senseless reasons. I mean, I, I guess it's in the name of science, but really it's, it's back to the, should we even bother? We know what it's going to do. Like, do we really need to see if that's what's going to happen or not? Let's exactly. Not forget, let's not forget that, uh, the United States executed Julius and Ethel Rosenberg in 1950 for atomic espionage. Let's not forget about that, that they were sharing secrets with the Soviet Union uh, before the Soviet Union had their uh, nuclear weapons. You know, um, I know we're not the only country to execute couples for um, espionage, but that was a significant trial when they were executed in 1950. Um, because that was just, I mean, just shortly after the end of World War II. Yeah. If I might add something as well. Um, so there was, there was a lot of, uh, not only fallout, but I guess, um, <clears throat> damage and displacement done by our tests, uh, at Operation Crossroads, which was in the Bikini Islands. The Bikini so I actually took some notes on, uh, all of the damage done listed not all but a lot of it so uh there were forty-two thousand u.s personnel on site first of all for the test in the bikini atoll which is at that time especially a massive amount of humans just to be in one place to observe this and as a race as a human race we'd never seen a test like this conducted before really you know so not only were were forty-two thousand u.s personnel there um there were tons of officials from other countries, including Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Egypt, the UK, Mexico, the Netherlands, Poland, and the former Soviet Union. So in a weird way, even though we kind of had this arms race with the Soviet Union, obviously them having representatives there, we're kind of trying to flex on them a little bit, you know? They, they don't, at least in our minds at that point in time, have the technology to compete with that we're we're it's a dick measuring contest to to echo what neptune said earlier you know but it also displaced uh 167 bikini islanders uh they assembled 242 ships for this experiment uh 14 of them were sunk immediately basically uh there were 156 airplanes involved 750 cameras on site uh 5,000 pressure gauges and 25,000 radiation detectors. So uh, we were very curious as to what was going to happen because we as a human race had no fucking idea. You know, we had no concept, no way to wrap our heads around this kind of power. So uh, it, it was massive, you guys. Really huge. And the kids with a loaded gun. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it really seems that way. You know, and you hear, you hear where they especially here recently you know you've got all these countries and and what i'm what i've coined our our current cold war but you've got all these countries you know flinging flinging names and stuff basically back and forth and you know throwing poop at each other about all this different nuclear stuff and and the reality of it is is any of them could do it again but we're you know we're we're we don't really want that to happen again, of course but like we're where do where, where i mean what what do people really understand though like getting back to that like people i, I think they people don't quite understand the the magnitude of the experiments and the stuff that happened to folks and and like you know just just where it put other people and what they actually learned from I agree. I, you know, of the displaced islanders that were originally at uh, Bikini Atoll, so of those that were displaced, of those 167, uh, many of them obviously were moved around to different islands as tests continued to be conducted, and uh, islands were not habitable. You know, uh, you know, you can't eat the coconuts there to this day still, and uh, I believe there was one other factor that made it just completely unreasonable to live there so they had moved the original islanders back to said original island uh and the last ones lived there and moved away in 1978 because it was just the radiation was terrible 
it was no way to live. And, you know, so for many years following, we still had no idea the implications like you're talking about, Jimmy. Fair, fair, okay, fair I believe it's only in even more in recent memory with, you know, with the Freedom of Information Act, you know, being able to actually understand uh, what's been publicly disclosed, what this all meant. And I liken it to a... I liken it to any one of a settlement lawsuits over, over let's say anything, Ford Explorer rollover deaths. Is it easier to fix a problem than it is to pay off the people who were affected by it? And that's true for a lot of a lot of tests that involve human life, especially nuclear tests. Let's let's mention Cancel Bravo. Yeah, uh, 1954, um, they detonated a thermonuclear weapon in the Bikini Atoll. Um, It was two and a half times larger than what they expected. They only expected a a five megaton explosion, and it ended up being 13 or 14, no, 15 megatons. And up to date, it was the largest, like, uh, it was the single largest... Uh, man-made explosion in, in known recorded history. Known recorded history. Uh, and it irradiated 25 members of a Japanese fishing vessel, like acute radiation sickness. And it, I mean, the international community was like, whoa, hey, uh, U.S., what are you doing over there? You know, you can't, I mean, you, you can't control your own nuclear weapons. But, and, and so uh, I guess, I guess, I guess about, you know, Castle Bravo, what, what, you know, what, what more, I guess, could you add to the Castle Bravo situation that you, that you guys know of, of course? The main reason that it went out of control was that it was the first lithium-7 thermonuclear weapon. It was a, no, f- first lithium-7 fueled uh, thermonuclear weapon. And they went ahead and just detonated it. Because, and they were like, well, we don't exactly know how this is going to go. You know, because this is totally new. This is different than anything else we've tried. And so they're just like, you know what? Let's do it anyway. And you, you got an explosion that's two and a half times. And actually, um, it still is the largest nuclear weapon the U.S. has ever detonated. And it's second only to the SAR bomb. The, the Russians that was exploded, I do believe. Keep me honest here, guys. I right. do believe that yeah, to be. I was actually looking, and I believe. I, I don't have a computer readily available. You guys are on my phone right now. so That actually, no, but, from what I'm checking right here, that does look like that's, that's true. And, you know, of, course, of course, anything, well, I always tell people, anything that we say here, always go check it yourself too, don't. Just yeah. our word, of course. Um, and so I guess, I guess something else that we, you know, we've been talking about dealing with all this was the, the upshot Nevada tests during the 50s. So yeah. that one is, it is really horrific. Um, they used eminent domain to requisition land uh, from private people, from, from U.S. citizens for the purpose of these tests. With the promise that they were going to get that land back, that never happened. And that one really, that one really sticks out to me as uh, empty promises um, that are made by our own government. <laughs> but uh, not to get off on a tangent there, uh, the one that stands up is the McDonald Ranch. I think it was 1982. Uh, after the U.S. government essentially told them to pound sand, they weren't getting their land back. Uh, they went and occupied the property uh, by force until they were uh, evicted by the by the National Guard. Uh, the McDonald Ranch in particular is home to Operation Upshot Knothole. Uh, the tests that were conducted there uh, as part of the Nevada test range, that's where that property sits today. Interesting. Again, a, a lot of U.S. Uh, service members were on site to observe these tests, yes. and many of which came under the potential possibility that they 
may become acutely uh, affected by uh, radiation poisoning. And uh, Jimmy, to a, a point you made earlier, there is a there is a longstanding belief. I don't know if it has any basis in truth or not, but there is a belief that uh, that radiation poisoning can affect fertility rates in women. And, 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 and that's serious. Sure. That is a problem. No, it absolutely can because, I mean, um, look at the damage done by Chernobyl. Yeah. Look at the damage done by Chernobyl. I mean, we absolutely know for a fact that radiation sickness can damage fertility. And, and I mean, and not just fertility, though. There's, there's a bunch of studies out there that, you know, radiation sickness can affect people in all kinds of different ways, even even if it doesn't, you know, rightfully show itself. I mean, you, you live in an area that has fallout and still going on. I mean, you're eventually, you know, you're going to be affected by this kind no, of stuff. No, it damages your DNA that yes. permanently. I mean, a, and, that, and you've permanently passed that. You pass that along. That, that gets passed on generational. Absolutely. There, there's a lot of people uh, in Eastern Europe walking around without a thyroid because of uh, the fallout from Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, I, yeah. I mean, and I've heard of other things, you know, other, other, of course, sicknesses and stuff like that, that, you know, deal in and out with this kind of thing. And it's just, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's horrifying to me that to know that there is people that, you know, thought they were doing the right thing as far as like maybe joining the military or joining in these kind of science experiments and either have spent the rest of their life with a radiation sickness or their life was cut short because of this mad scientist type thing because i mean this is absolutely a mad scientist almost you know situation and it's just it's baffling to me to see you know them them because like this nevada one for example is in the 50s so this is going to 100 percent be after you know after world war ii and stuff so like did did we not just did we just forget that we're not supposed to chemically doing anything to people unwillingly and unknowingly you know i mean and even the ones that did sign up for it it's just i don't think they actually knew the full outcome of what was going to happen and it's just it's just sad to think that you know these people ruin their life just for just for crazy science because what 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 good has the nuclear weapon really brought other than as you mentioned earlier paul it being a giant dick swinging contest so I think that was Ox that mentioned that, but, um, but and I was echoing Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's the same. It really is. It's uh, yeah. It it, it it certainly does seem to stand in a category of its own um, in terms <clears throat> of military capability. It's it's the first time. It it really does change the equation when it comes to how countries wage war on each other. Um, that, that, that if one country uses this weapon, it, they're pretty much signing a death pact for their own nation, uh, using well, for it. all nations. Because yeah. Depending on how does it, yeah. If one goes, if one goes, two goes, three goes, it's yeah. every, everybody is going to get in on it. Everybody's like, no, nah, man, I don't want to be a, no, you're not going to hit me without me hitting you too. Yeah. Right. It's, it's going to be, and also, I, I brought this up before. It's like, <clears throat> I don't want to get into, I'm going to steer clear of like the whole situation in Ukraine because that, that I could get on, sure. I could go on for hours on that. Sure. What has happened? What nuclear weapons, what countries with nuclear weapons, what has, uh, what it allows countries to do is to arbitrarily just invade another country and then, hey, you don't get involved or I'm going to nuke you. You let me do this or I'm going to nuke you. Um, what is going on over in Ukraine right now is <clears throat> um, Vlad has parked 110 nuclear weapons on his border, on, his, on the westernmost border of Russia. And he has said any direct intervention by another country and you're getting it, man. You're going to get it. So that's why we're seeing all of this, like, by proxy involvement. Like, um, the U.S. has now confirmed they are training Ukrainian troops in Germany. Um, they're sending weapons. They're sending money. 
but there are no direct involvement by countries because they just, you know, they, they know he could possibly just go ahead and do it, you know? And it, and it just, it, it allows countries to do that. Like who, who, what's next though? I mean, everybody should be looking at this, like who's going to invade who next? What nuclear power, I wouldn't say superpower, but what nuclear power is going to invade another country just because they have nukes and that nobody else will get involved? Well, and, well, it's, fun, it's funny you mentioned that because it, it, the, the answer is, is only Russia and China, realistically. When the, when the NATO borders were being negotiated in 45 mm -hmm. and, 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 and Stalin was complaining about how you know, th this seemed unfair, that, that, the, that you know, there were a lot of, that, that NATO was pushing up right next to the USSR. And he was saying, well, how do I know you're not going to invade us? Um, and, and I believe it was uh, General Patton and Winston Churchill who basically said to him, you know, that's not going to happen. There, there's never a situation where it, th there will never be a NATO invasion of Russia. This is just not this is not how these countries operate. But there absolutely is a Russian invasion of 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 non NATO countries. Yeah. Um, so, so it's kind of a funny thing where, where how, how nuclear bombs have influenced international politics, where instead of a instead of peace through 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 everyone being armed with nukes instead you have the aggressors being able to do what they want and everyone else is so scared at the prospect of nuclear warfare that no one does anything yep. it, it, it's created kind of a, a weird standstill and this is uh that perfectly in, encapsulates i think how we got here because that's really what it comes down to right like okay, we have all these nukes. How did we ever get ourselves into this mess? Because I don't feel like enough people appreciate that, especially the implications of, of how the nuclear buildup happened. You know, going back to, to what I mentioned, and as far as, you know, the U.S. And, and the Soviet distrust being basically inborn, Paul, to your point, as far back as the, the NATO lines being drawn, we never trusted the Soviets enough to share knowledge of nukes and yet obviously they wanted a piece of the pie as soon as the first lightning test had been conducted it you know they say that sputnik was the the first shot of the arms race i think it was i think it was first lightning and the reason i say that is it made the u.s realize that they wanted to invest further in nuclear weapons and consequently that led to both of our buildups of nuclear arsenals. And to that end, obviously with the, with the U S and the Soviet union looked like they were ready to set the world on fire in 1961. It's probably fair to say that the entire world went into a panic about the, about the mutually assured destruction. And yeah, to, I agree with Bandit 100%. The, the domino effect um, is very much a, a, a real thing in, in my view, because when one falls, someone else is going to come to their aid and attack someone else who will retaliate in turn, which in turn will result in the next country uh, bombing the next country and so on and so on and so on until the entire world has been reduced to a to a nuclear wasteland and it, it does give the the strongest countries uh that power uh to bully others into into not using their nuclear weapons for the fear of, of of setting off that chain reaction so the the countries that can get away with it soviet union in this example or russia today uh, just for posterity's sake they can get away with that because no one else in the interest of the quality of life on earth and an attempt to make peace wants to be the one that holds the key for being responsible for nuclear Armageddon. Funny you bring up Sputnik though. It's funny you bring up Sputnik though, because you know, nobody wants to, nobody can confirm nor deny that we quite possibly due to nuclear testing, we quite possibly beat Russia into space because of nuclear testing. Anybody? 
the manhole cover shot into space. The manhole cover shot into space. The manhole cover shot into space. Paul the, laughing at, confirms that he knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think they confirm, or they've they've uh, they've had suspicions that it is the fastest object ever to launched to into space, atmosphere. and it's past Pluto now. It's yeah. still going. Oh, it's still going. Yes. Well, one, so, yeah. Once so, it leaves Earth's atmosphere, there's not enough. Yeah, there's not enough inertia. It has enough inertia that that it's not gonna. It's not gonna stop. I forget until it hits. Until it hits something. something, and then I it just bounces many... off in another direction. True. But yes, there is. They they had a uh, a still camera. They had a high speed camera taking pictures, and they the the because they initially thought that the manhole, they it's something like a thousand or two thousand ton manhole cover they thought it was vaporized initially then they went back frame by frame and caught the uh it, the object had been had been launched vertical and they did the whole like uh frame by frame speed calculation whatever and they're convinced that it was launched into space i, I so, thought yeah, I thought they only got one frame of it. They only got one frame. Yeah. They did. They only got one frame of it, but they did the <clears> whole from the one the first picture to it being launched and then the time span between the two frames and they've got the speed of it was absolutely just insane. And so, they ca they calculated that it it got launched into space, so if it's true, there's no way to tell, but if it's true, we beat Russia by we beat Russia in the space. <laughs> so, uh, Bandit, uh, you'll have to forgive me. You and Paul know this topic better than I. I tried to look around for some information, but I want to give this one to you. Uh, what can you? What can either you or Paul tell us about the the potential device that was used to actually to launch this thing into orbit? Uh, what was driving it? The pothole cover uh, to launch that manhole or? cover. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nuclear weapon. It was an underground nuclear weapon weapon detonation. Oh dear. That, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they, they buried. I think they buried it a couple hundred feet beneath the ground. Was, yeah, it and wasn't they deep enough. It was a subsurface detonation. Yeah, and so you enough. had this confined. It was not completely covered over. There was a uh, like an elevator shaft that they had lowered it down. Did not fill it in. And then just put this manhole cover over top of it. So you basically had a nuclear-powered gun, okay, firing that manhole into space. And th th I think this was one of the first underground tests that they had done. I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I didn't look up all the details of it. So imagine a nuclear weapon powering a gun. Yeah. And it confined space and it just launched that manhole <laughs> straight into space, man. If we if we could, I kinda wanna I kinda wanna go back to just kind of the um just, just stepping into the mentality of the people dealing with these things in, in the forties and fifties. Um and a, a, there was a lot of ignorance, of course. Um I don't think a lot of people knew just how uh, just how deadly yep. these things were uh, and the implications, the long term implications they had. Oh, but no there were way. a lot of people, no especially in the military. Th there was a lot of view of this as just another. It was just another tool. Mm -hmm. um, if I could, uh, there's a short paragraph from uh, one Gen uh, General Douglas MacArthur on 1954. I think this was uh, after uh, Truman had fired him. He said, of all the campaigns of my life, 20 major ones to be exact, Korea was the one I felt most sure was the one I was deprived of waging. I could have won the war in Korea in a maximum of 10 days. I would have dropped between 30 and 50 atomic bombs on his air bases and other depots strung across the neck of Manchuria. It was my plan as our amphibious forces moved south to spread behind us from Sea of Japan to the Yellow Sea a belt of radioactive cobalt. It could have been spread from wagons, carts, trucks, and planes. For at least 60 years, there could have been no land invasion of Korea from the north. The enemy could not have marched across that radiated belt. 
I do remember when they were talking about the proposal of nuking uh, southern China and the, you know, the entire Korean Peninsula when when he proposed those retardation targets, as he called them. Um, I, I believe, Paul, keep me honest here, that was one of the uh, contributing factors uh, to uh, – MacArthur's dismissal was it not. It was the prime. It was the primary reason he was fired. It was his his insistence on using nukes that that led to Truman firing him. You know, Paul, it is absolutely one hundred percent correct that the uh, regardless of who, uh, what what officer in the military looks at it, it's they look at it as a tool to be used to their advantage. Let's look at every horrifying type of weapon the just the u.s military has used or created we're talking like look at agent orange in vietnam look at uh i mean it it was a tool to be used regardless of how it affected everybody you know because it's the deployment on that the effects from just that alone too are being felt today People are still dying of cancer from Agent Orange, but it was a tool to be used. It was horrifying. And you're absolutely right. Nukes are a tool to be used on the battlefield, regardless of who it affects or the damage done. But ignorance, Oppenheimer stated um, after the first test in uh, New Mexico, after the first atomic bomb test in New Mexico, um, he he was not ignorant to the fact of what he had created. He knew exactly what he'd created. Um, there, I have I don't become know, death, the destroyer, the destroyer of, worlds. of worlds. It is, and he stated, "This is not the first time in history nuclear weapons have been used. If you go back thousands of years." It's written in Sans- the ancient Sanskrit texts. Um, the Iron Rod of Mahabhatra. Everything was recorded. It, it, it uh, matches up directly with radiation poisoning, a weapon that could destroy city- level cities and destroy armies, giant fireballs in the sky. Everything was recorded, matches up exactly with radiation poisoning, acute radi- radiation poisoning. So, I mean, there was a lot of ignorance. But the guys directly involved in the Manhattan Pod project, they I'm pretty sure they knew exact they knew exactly what they were doing. You know, well, I think there, Oppen- there was Yeah, Oppenheimer specifically was a pretty he was a pretty well read guy. Um a lot of a lot of the the scientists on on that project um definitely struggled for meaning and purpose with, with this thing that they had created. Um, but but that, did they? Because I mean, the, the time the time that this good stuff starts going on is not long after you have literally brought in all of the mad scientists, not only from Germany but as well as Japan. I'm not sure what you, I'm not sure about Japan. There absolutely is a thing about Japan. I've covered it in the past. Oh oh no, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not challenging you. I I'm just saying I don't know. <laughs> that, oh, that, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it was it was it was a, it was very similar to Operation Paperclip, and they brought in you know all of these scientists that were doing you know ungodly, unhuman things to other human beings through testing and stuff like that. And then I mean, you have to think about this. These are these are the scientists that they brought in to put behind things like these nuclear tests. So you're automatically going in dealing with people that don't give two shits about human life. Yeah, you would have to take pause for thought to to wonder if uh, Werner von Braun is uh, what he thinks today that his rocket payload system had been used uh, to deliver multiple independent reentry vehicles in the 70s and 80s. What, what would build... Uh, the rockets that got us to the moon uh, was used for nuclear warheads. And, and that's terrifying to think about in the long game, especially with the number of people that were involved in uh, the in the science behind the initial tests and essentially how they how they developed over time because I feel like uh, atomic bombs in a, of themselves, 
were they pale in comparison to the the warhead delivery systems that we use today Absolutely. and it's like it's we've gotten we've deliberately gone out of our way to find more nefarious ways of killing each other now i have a question for you guys uh, i know you guys are probably all more knowledgeable than i am on this specific topic but how do you feel about the use of thorium in nuclear weapons these days uh and nuclear plants as well Thorium has a 72-year-long half-life. So in theory, and again, I'm not an expert here. I'm going to defer to you guys on your knowledge or literature or what have you. Um, but obviously, I think we can all agree here, nuking an innocent populace is ridiculous. It should never be done. Uh, having said that, if you were to, is the use of thorium some sort of can you justify it in any way, shape, or form? Because in 72 years, it'll be okay. The Half-Life said so. What do you guys think? I don't know enough about Thorium to, for me to say, I'll defer to Bandit, Paul, or Jimmy here. But if no one has anything they'd like to add, I'll take that for a follow-up episode. But if I anyone has anything, go ahead. I don't care what they use for nuclear fuel and nuclear reactors for nuclear power plants. I don't care. I really don't. I mean, if if anything, that has been one of the biggest benefits to come out of the nuclear arms race was uh, nuclear reactors for I mean, no carriers, su submarines, power plants. I mean, the benefits. I mean, it, it it really is clean energy. It really is. I mean, nuclear waste can be destroyed even if even if just like uh, it, it doesn't have to sit, I mean, buried and wait for the half-life to die out. I mean, you can destroy it under high heat. Um, but everybody, that's what everybody thinks about when they think of nuclear energy, that they, they automatically go to, well, you got to bury the nuclear waste. No, you really well, don't. Well, it's, it's well, worse than that. Most, most people go thorium in particular in its use of uh, or in its use in nuclear weapons. So, you know, so I, mean, I, don't, yeah. I don't think thorium is an issue when we're using it for power plants and so forth. I think it, you know, the half-life really only comes into consideration when using it weaponized. You so know, my my understanding, my understanding is that thorium is is inherently more stable of a radioactive element. So it's really it's it's primary use or the, the 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 current advocates for using thorium, they're advocating for its use in power plants. It, there's actually not a lot of people advocating for it to be used in a military setting. I, I don't know that it I don't know that it's efficient to do that, which is why you actually which is one of the one of the primary reasons you don't see thorium reactors going up en masse. Um, I think there's only a couple of them, mainly mainly at universities um thorium reactors for, for for those concerned with with safety um thorium the thorium reactors of today um they could be run by a team of high school students and the absolute worst that would happen is the facility would just shut down and nothing would happen um mm -hmm. if they messed up too badly um, you have to worry about a meltdown no no well, you you I'm trying. I'm trying to think, is because the meltdown from Chernobyl um, was caused by a facility being being built on what what they call the positive void coefficient, which yes. basically means as yeah, the yeah. water gets as the water gets hotter, you have yeah. you have more reactivity, which you have to control. And they and, had graphite. They had graphite control rods, which yeah, um, we the graphite tipped control rods, which. They got jammed in there, and graphite speeds up a graphite speeds up a reaction. So, well, and they only did that because, in true Russian fashion, because incompetence rules the day over there. It's cheaper <laughs> to manufacture that. Well, That's well, the so, only so, reason they have the graphite tips. Well, well, so 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 it's important to to I, 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 we we've all watched the show. Um, <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's important to talk like w why was that more expensive? The the negative void coefficient reactors, I, I feel bad talking about this because I'm not a nuclear 
engineer by 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 any stretch. So I am more than well uh, more than open to correction on this. Um, my understanding my old man is that were alive, he'd he'd jump in here, but he's not. So yeah. Um, <laughs> My understanding is that the reactors of today, one of the things that we mandate is that reactors need to have negative void coefficients. So one of the things that's really expensive is the use of um, heavy water, which heavy water um, is inherently, it's, it is its own moderator on radioactivity. So as you get voids, as, as heavy water boils, the... Radio the the radioactive effects become less present. Um, you, you don't you don't have as much uh, power being generated. The hotter it gets, so it's incredibly stable. But the manufacturing of heavy water is a really is a really expensive process. Building containment facilities is a really expensive process. Having a lot of staff on hand that 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 are well trained that that have been there for you know several that that have been there for several years before they ever can be considered shift lead or manager that that's that's an expensive process and that was something that the soviets were not willing to do can i share just the point of irony since heavy water came into the discussion and we're talking earlier about sort of the sort of the you know the buildup of the arms race the the very irony which makes the the thought that heavy water though expensive could be less harmful or less dangerous in the scope of of what we're discussing here it was the the reality that hitler had taken control of norway in 1940 and had acquired norway's uh, heavy water research stations it was hmm. one of the one of the principal causes of panic in the West a after the, uh, the, the realization that uh, uh, fusion was possible. That kick, those two factors are two of the contributing points to kickstarting the Manhattan Project in the first place. One of the other big things about thorium is that it's byproducts that the, the, the depleted thorium that, that, that you get cannot be or it's not that it can't they just do not use it for military purposes so when you use your when you use uranium or i don't know if they use plutonium anymore um but but when you use uranium in a nuclear power plant you can use de you can use depleted uranium in ammunition and we do um you you have you have depleted uranium tank ammunitions and these aren't the the radioactive effects of them are, are, are not the primary thing that's, that's killing anyone. Um, my understanding is that depleted uranium just has more penetrating power. So if you need to get through um, heavy armor, um, you, you, you use depleted uranium. If you want to kill someone more efficiently, more, more creative ways of killing each other. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. with, with yes. government, and there's, and there's nothing, there's nothing necessarily there's nothing conspiratorial about it. It's, it's just the, the way the costs work. If, if I want to build a nuclear power plant, um, these things are expensive. It takes a long time to turn a nuclear power plant profitable. If, if, if I want to run, if I want to run an energy company, um, it takes, it takes a while for these things to be profitable. So, so I'm going to look for ways to make my money back sooner. One of the ways you can do that is by using fuel that guarantees that that the government will buy your waste products off of you. Um, that helps offset the cost of these things, and you don't get that with thorium. So that that's just a contributing factor too. Thank you, Paul. Yes, absolutely. That, Thank you. That, 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 that was very knowledgeable. So didn't know more this, about that than I did. Guys, this is this has been a I think a fantastic episode going in on this and i actually do have a bunch of links that we had shared between us that i promise will be linked to this podcast for you guys to dig in a little bit deeper in some of the subjects that we've talked about today is there uh, anything else that all of you guys would like to add add before we close out this first episode of first light i'll go last if i could if i could oh just just throw a question to the group because it's come up a couple times um this discussion this idea of you know how far is too far and whatnot one of the questions they one of the questions I, th I think Einstein 
kind of dealt with in his own head was that these discoveries don't have any moral weight to them, that the discovery or the innovation of, of such technology in and of itself doesn't have any moral weight. It's what we choose to do with that knowledge that therein lies the moral question. I agree. Do, do we all believe that? Are, are there certain discoveries that there, there is moral weight behind investing in discovering um, you know, XYZ technology? Man, uh, I want Bandit Ox and Jimmy to go first, and I will answer that. I, I, I want to go with, let's look at uh, nerve gas. There, there is no good way. There, there is moral weight to like some of the stuff we have created. Biological agents and nerve agents, strictly used for uh, military we military weapons. There is moral weight to that. At hundred percent moral weight to that. I is the development of those weapons. Was was it developed from extrapolating from things we, elements we already knew existed versus the research done on nuclear research? I guess is what I'm referring to. Versus you know biological research and biochem weapons, etc., that are different. I think if it's developed or or researched without any malice, are we talking specifically? No are we spe talking specifically like in the nuclear nuclear we nuclear weapon realm? Oh, did, I, did, I was. Did, I was did just. You ask, I mean, did you? Was it specifically the nuclear or nuclear weapon realm, or just like a, a discovery that like has moral weight, like outside of that? Anything? Yeah, because I, I, I'm because I'm trying to apply. I'm, I'm not trying to limit my principles just to nuclear bombs, e even though they, they do they do kind of. I think we can all agree they do seem to exist in a class of their own, mm -hmm. um, which makes it a unique discussion. Because the, ad the advent of nuclear weapons, it was, uh, or just nuclear, nuclear the, the, the splitting and smashing atoms, the splitting and smashing atoms, period. I mean, there are good and bad routes you can take with it. Sure, absolutely 100%. There, there are good and bad routes. I mean... But there are just some things that are created, that are founded, that are just, you know, we shouldn't have. Do you, you know? think that there are some uh, that there are some corners of our universe that it's best we don't touch? Oh yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I it, it's like, what did what did Je <laughs> what did Jeff Goldblum say in Jurassic Park? Jimmy, <clears throat> help me out, man. Uh, life uh, finds life. a way <laughs> no it's like it you didn't stop to think if you uh, uh if you if you could or whatever it's about you didn't you didn't think think about the should you just wanted to know if you could and you know that i guess that's where my thing is with you, you were so this. you were so caught up in if you could that you never stopped to think if you yeah, should but I mean, and that's that's where it comes with when you're when you're talking about if a discovery a we're not talking about just like the advent or the just something trivial we're talking about like the the things that have i mean we'll talk to that that go down in history as like the changing humanity type deals uh there are absolutely 100 percent things that we we just should not have messed with you know we just should not have gone there I agree, but I think you have to look at things and whether they were being developed specifically and solely from a place of malice or what, you know, like the, the Belisto was not invented for gardening in Rome. It had one fucking purpose, you know, you're not, you're not going to find some things that, that were made for any benevolent or even benign purpose. It was designed as a military, as a weapon, you know, and I don't know if nuclear power or nuclear energy, the study of nuclear everything might not have started with weapons, although we as no. humans oh. are really good at just being like, well, I want to kill that guy harder, so let me find the best <laughs> way. No, origi originally, um, if I remember right, it, it, in the, I believe it was the 20s and 30s, um, when people were studying radon, uh, 
I think it was radon. Radium. It was radium. radium. Thank you. Um, Mary Curie. And people, and people, yeah, yeah. And people truly had no idea that it was, Dude, it they, was they what they were dealing with. They put it in toothpaste. They yeah, put they it in their watches and machines at, at, at where you could buy shoes. They had foot racks, ray machines. Um, well, and people thought it was cool a, that elements of their clothing uh, w- would glow. <laughs> they shoot a thought it was full neat. dose into your foot constantly to get an x-ray to make sure your feet fit your shoes perfectly. People were losing feet. People were losing limbs. Right. I, it was insane. You so know? can we... So on, on, on that point, sorry, can we all look at those in the 30s and, and say this is this is a baby playing with with bleach? Like you, they had no idea what they were. Working <laughs> with. This was not. That's, that's yes. a good way to put it. And absolutely accurate. That, so that, that, absolutely that at least with that, there was no there was no moral. Um, uh, what's the word? They, they were they were not negatively morally guided. Um, no. with, with those that they, they were, they were playing with something they, they had no understanding of. They, right. And- so I think, I think that Einstein was kind of painting with a broad brush when he made that statement, because also he had no idea what could potentially come of all of this, you know, no one lives forever. We won't see, maybe we will, depending on how all this stuff with Russia and Ukraine goes, maybe we will, we will see all of the worst that there is to offer, you know, mm-hmm. but the reality is, I, I think he might have been painting with a broad brush when he made that statement. And in a weird way, like a feel good kind of way, just to excuse himself, because it was widely known. He couldn't believe like I helped develop such a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. So that's ahead, my two. I know you had a, I know you had a take on it. You guys kind of covered some of the stuff I had. So I don't, you know, I don't want to take up any more time on it, but I know you had an answer there. Neptune. You wanted to come up with yeah. So um, Feynman was present at the Trinity test, the gadget. And uh, following Oppenheimer's statement that I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, Feynman is on record stating the key that opens the gate to heaven will open the gate to hell. He said this objectively because he realized that for whatever good that could have come of their initial research would be the end of all things. And it's, it provides unique perspective, especially to bandits point earlier Um, in closing here. I would just like to say regarding the, the development of, you know, nuclear power as an absolute good, we wouldn't be here today to be able to deliver deliver this message through this medium to everyone, regardless of their opinions on this subject matter. We wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have gone through the space race. We wouldn't have the internet to be able to deliver what we have today without the the long the long game of nuclear research. It has brought us to a a point in society that we can say that we live better than anyone else through history. And yet at what cost? Which, Neptune's which, out. Which, which is, which is very true. And, and, I was, and, I guess, I, and, and I guess, you know, last, last for me is, you know, I, I, I definitely see all this and, you know, I, I, I get all this and I've got a whole bunch of other stuff that I think we'll, we'll get into it later in some, in this series, because there's, there is so much to cover in this series, guys. We barely touched the beginning of it, but I, I do, I do look forward to where it's going. And I, I think that the 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 good, the positive things that they found in it are are spectacular, and I don't I don't disagree with it. But I think the blatant like again, I'll go back to during the Manhattan Project when they were like, hey, this would be a good idea. Let's feed kids oatmeal that's been covered in radiation. And see what the effects are. Why? What's the fucking point in doing something like that? You've already figured out that radiation is not that good for you. Period. Because earlier with the rate with the radium water and such, and like, so why are you putting it in a bowl and feeding it to kids to test products? I just I think there's there was some things that were just tested out of 
out of malice. Like I don't, there's, there's no, there's no really way around it, but you know, there, there again, like you said, you know, Neptune, there's been a lot of positive to come out of it. And, and I do, I do want people to actually go out and look into this because there is a lot of positive out of it. I see everybody's first reaction when we, when the word nuclear is mentioned and everybody jumps to, you know, like Chernobyl and the stuff in Japan and stuff like that. And I don't Mishima. think they really, yeah. yeah, I don't think they really like dig into the aspects of what caused that. And I do hopefully here in the future during this series, maybe touch on it a little bit because it, it is important information, but like, like you've, you've got to look past all the fear mongering of everything, this especially too, and actually dig into the positives that did come from, you know, this kind of research and learning how to split the atom and all that kind of stuff. Like, because there is tons of positives, like Neptune said, me sitting here talking to you guys all over all of these platforms that you listen to me on and, and now watch me on and of course and stuff like there's, there's, there's good to this. And so, you know, moving forward, I hope that everybody has enjoyed the set first episode of First Lightning, and I hope you guys look forward to the continuation of this, because there is plenty more to cover. We, we've barely touched the peak when it comes to nuclear. Like, there is just so much to go over. And I look forward to talking to you guys about this again next week. And everybody out there in Unconstitutional Awakening Land, y'all check out them links, and y'all check us out, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great night. Bye.